Hello, everybody. It is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support a ton. Everything's been doing excellent. And yeah, let's just keep going. Make sure to leave a like if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, make sure to download it on any audio platform. Those will all be linked in the description. Yeah, let's get right into the episode. We got a ton to talk about in this one. We got a ton of very interesting NBA rumors. We got the last scouting reports. Uh, and then we got some NFL stuff. So yeah, let's get right into it. First, I want to talk about a rumor that popped up a couple days ago. And it's one that I'm super interested in. I love a ton. I just love the idea. And this is Chris Paul being a trade candidate for the Phoenix Suns. I just think this is such a beautiful fit. Uh, obviously, the Suns were very, very close to making the playoffs uh, this year. Just missing out. Having that crazy a no bubble run. And getting Chris Paul is obviously a big upgrade. Chris Paul is one of the, the probably 15 best players in the entire league. So adding a talent like that next to a guy like Devin Booker with a young ascending really nice big man and DeAndre Ayton, you still have a lot of talent on the wing, guys who could just really defend. I think it's such a beautiful fit because honestly, Chris Paul could just play like the Ricky Rubio role. But obviously, he's so much better than Ricky Rubio, where he can still be the main facilitator, uh, a ball handler next to Devin Booker. But then he's going to be another guy that they can go to in the clutch. They would have two of the better clutch scores in the entire league and a proven veteran winner who's been in the league for many years and has turned teams around. He, uh, What he did with the Oklahoma City Thunder last year was so, so incredible. So I just love this fit so much. I think it's such a seamless fit, and I think he could just go in there so easily. And there's a pretty easy blueprint to how to make a trade as well. You could trade Kelly Oubre, who I think would be a really nice piece uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder to acquire, and is a player that I already thought anyway was expendable uh, for the Phoenix Suns with them doing so well without him in their bubble run. He's obviously a nice player. He's coming off a really good season, uh, but I just like the fit of having guys like Cam Johnson, uh, and Mikhail Bridges on the wing, so that's an expendable guy that I think OKC would like a lot, especially because they uh, need some future help at the wing. They got some nice guards there with Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilds Alexander, Luguen Stort. Uh, they got a big in Steven Adams. Uh, Steven Adams. They got a Ford and uh, Darius Baisley. They got a nice, uh, a lot of nice young talent on their roster, but that kind of three uh, position is something that they don't really have. So I think Kelly Oubre would be a really nice asset for. Uh, them and then you could just uh, throw in Ricky Rubio and then the contracts matches up pretty well uh, I think you would also have to throw in something else uh, basically that would probably be the Thunder's choice you could uh, do the 10th pick in this draft which I would hold off on doing especially if you could get a guy like Patrick Williams at that 10th pick I would hold off on doing uh, that but maybe a future top seven protected pick uh, you could throw in one of the uh, your young guys that you do have uh, later on your bench that they may like. Maybe a guy like uh, Ty Jerome the Thunder do like. So you could throw something like that in. Or you could throw a mix of that in. And then the trade is there. I like that fit so much, like I said. I just think it's so perfect. And I think that absolutely solidifies them as a playoff team. They're a team that hasn't really ever been a free agency contender. So Chris Paul's big uh, salary number isn't really an issue for them anyway. So I just think, again, it's so perfect. 
and I absolutely love the fit. I did see a trade on Twitter that I thought was super interesting, and I wanted to bring it up here. Okay, so in this trade, the Thunder get Patrick Beverly, DeLon Wright, Kelly Oubre, uh, Justin Jackson, the 10th pick from the Phoenix Suns, and the 18th pick from the Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers get Ricky Rubio, which I think is a perfect fit. Kawhi has come out and went to the front office and said he wants a up. Uh, playmaking point guard next to him and then Ricky Rubio obviously fits that I just think that's such a perfect uh, fit the Suns uh, obviously get Chris Paul and they get Rodney Magruder and then the Dallas Mavericks get Dennis Schroeder I think this is basically a perfect trade from every side not saying this is happening especially four uh, team trades are pretty rare and don't usually happen but if a four team trade was to happen I think this is great the uh, Thunder get some nice young pieces. They get Kelly Oubre. They get two draft picks in this draft. They get a guy they could take a flyer on and a guy like Justin Jackson. Uh, DeLon Wright is an expendable piece who can maybe just flip for like a second round pick or something. And then Patrick Beverly's just a steady point guard who uh, you could flip pretty easily on a small contract. Uh, the Clippers get their playmaking point guard that they've been looking for. A guy who can uh, just really facilitate is proven, can play defense, and is never going to go out of his role. Doesn't have a big ego or anything. He's more of a, a laid-back, quiet guy, which I think the Clippers can use more of that. The Suns get Chris Paul, which I've already talked about how much I love that fit. And then the Mavericks get Dennis Schroeder, which I think is another beautiful fit. Uh, the Mavericks, while being a very good team, do have holes. And I think one of those holes is that they need some more secondary ball handling next to Luka Doncic. Uh, especially Jalen Brunson was out for a good amount of the season with a shoulder injury. And he's not really the answer as like a really good uh, ball handler next to Luka Doncic. He's a very solid player. But I think uh, Dennis Schroeder is obviously better. Uh, and then you just get another guy who can score the ball, another guy who can handle it, uh, can pass as well. And you're getting rid of two players who aren't really that valuable to your team anyway. Justin Jackson was pretty bad from the last year, and then DeLon Wright was just decent. Uh, you do have to get rid of a first-round pick, which uh, does hurt a little bit, especially considering that a guy like Desmond Bain might be uh, there for the Mavericks, and I think that would be a great fit. But I just love this uh, trade for every team. If this happened, I think it would be perfect. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, Chris Paul to the Suns is a rumor that I'm really excited about. I think is going to be uh, perfect if it does happen. I just think it makes sense for both sides. I think a clear, a clear trade is there. Though I would like to see Chris Paul be on a someone who's more of a contender. I would like to see him be on like a Bucks team uh, just for him because I love Chris Paul and seeing him uh, really be a championship contender would be exciting. But just as a fit and especially on the Sun side, I think it's be great for them. And then Devin Booker gets to mentor some young guys and help them out, help them win more. I think he'd be excellent in the pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton. I think he'd help DeAndre Ayton a ton grow his game. Devin Booker is solidified in this league as one of the top 25 guys, uh, can really score the ball as a really nice facilitator. Then you got good defensive wings who could shoot the ball, and Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. Uh, I just really like this Suns team. They could maybe bring back a guy like Dario Saric who can do a little bit of everything, can rebound, can shoot, can play, make a little bit. Uh, and, yeah, I just like the fit a ton. I think it's uh, beautiful. Next, we got Russell Westbrook requesting a trade from the Houston Rockets. Uh, we had a report earlier in the day that the uh, that Russell Westbrook and James Harden just went to the front office and had a bit of a discussion because they were unsure about the future, and that made complete sense. They don't really have much uh, draft compensation. They don't have 
like any young players on the roster. Their best young players, uh, Chris Clemens. They have a lot of older players. Uh, and the thing about them is they've kind of hit their ceiling as a team. Because the thing about them is with their players, uh, they don't really have like more value than they have to the Rockets. Uh, maybe it's set for Robert Covington, who you could probably get some good pieces for, but like PJ Tucker has the most value on the Rockets. You're not going to trade PJ Tucker and get someone in return. That's more valuable for him. Uh, even with Russell Westbrook, just, uh, as far as like players, you're going to lose, uh, in a Russell Westbrook trade because of that contract. And because Russell Westbrook being the guy who he is, and I think people around the league have a similar view to him that I probably do. Well, Russell Westbrook is obviously one of the most talented players in NBA history, is a ridiculous athlete, uh, and is, has just always been that. He's always been so special as an athlete, and he's always been a talented guy, but he's a guy who still makes a lot of mental errors. His shooting is just atrocious, and he's one of the worst high-volume three-point shooters of all time, possibly the worst, especially when, again, you're taking in him being a high-volume guy uh, and then he's someone who has the play style of a number one option where he's best when he's the ball dominant guy uh, and then he just has guys around him who can shoot the ball uh, and can roll to the rim for him and he's doing uh, mostly everything but that recipe isn't a championship team that's a team that can make the playoffs and we saw that a couple of years ago in his MVP season uh, with the Thunder where he was ridiculous that season, and that's the best Russell Westbrook, but that doesn't lead to anything, and you're just going to be in this perpetual place of being around the 6-8 to eight seed, uh, and you'll sell tickets, you'll sell jerseys, but you're not really going anywhere. And then as a second option, he just really doesn't fit that well, especially when he's next to a guy like James Harden, where both of those guys are maximized with the ball in their hand. James Harden is one of the best pick-and-roll players of all time. He's one of the best isolation players of all time. And he just really excels at that. And then Russell Westbrook is a high usage guy who isn't a shooter by any means and doesn't really move off the ball as like a cutter anyway. So you really need him to have the ball where he's running pick and rolls, where he's getting uh, out in fast break uh, and doing stuff like that. So I just don't like that fit with those two guys. And I think it makes sense for both sides for them to move on because the Rockets have hit their ceiling and they're not going anywhere here. And then Russell Westbrook, for him, he's not going to be winning a championship. So why sacrifice his numbers and why sacrifice his status in the league just to be in this constant state of being a 4-6 to six seed, uh, maybe winning a seven-game uh, seven first-round series, or uh, going out in the first round? And it just doesn't make sense for either side. So I think it's time for them to move on. Uh, I have some possible suitors here that I think would be pretty interesting. First, going with the New York Knicks. Uh, I think this would make sense, especially for Russell Westbrook, a team that does have some people that he would probably like playing with. Uh, Mitchell Robinson would catch so many lobs from Russell Westbrook. And then Russell Westbrook could really just rack up his numbers. Uh, I'm on a Bleacher Report article right now, and the deal that they have is Wayne Elting, Bobby per Portis, Frank Nielakina, and Kevin Knox, and a second-round pick for Russell Westbrook. I do think that's interesting. Uh, as the Rockets do get a little bit of big men help with Bobby Portis, they get a really nice shooter in wing, Ellington. Uh, they get a defensive guard who still has some potential in Frank Nielakina. And then Kevin Knox, who's a wing who can uh, score the ball a little bit, can play defense. Definitely has been a huge disappointment in the NBA so far, but I'm not completely out on him. 
Uh, and I think this trade does make sense for either side. Maybe instead of getting Bobby Portis, you could get a guy uh, like Julius Randle. But I do like uh, the fit of the Knicks, especially just for Russell Westbrook. Uh, and I think it makes sense for the Knicks, especially uh, with the coach they got with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, getting a guy like Russell Westbrook, who you know is going to put butts in the seats uh, and is going to sell jerseys, uh, that does make sense. I don't actually like it for the Knicks just as far as t- uh, team-wise because I'd really like to see them build around R.J. Barrett because I think he's a nice young player uh, who can definitely do uh, some cool things out there. He didn't have a, a very good rookie season, especially as far as efficiency, but he is a guy who could score the ball, who can play make pretty well, and can play defense. Uh, a guy who kind of reminds me a little bit of a, a Jimmy Butler type of guy. I don't think he'll ever be a, a number one option on the championship team, but I do think he could be an all-star level player, and I think having Russell Westbrook next to him would stint his development a little bit, but just strictly for Russell Westbrook, uh, it's definitely interesting. Next, we got the Clippers, because they were the other team alongside the Knicks before Russell Westbrook actually requested a trade, who did uh, have some interest in a potential Russell Westbrook trade, and the trade is uh, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, uh, Avika Zubak, Rodney Magruder, uh, and Mafon Duke Cavangeli for Russell Westbrook and a 2021 uh, second round pick. Uh, I really don't like this fit, to be honest, at all. Uh, I just don't think the Clippers need another star. I think it makes a lot more sense for them to just get complimentary pieces who actually fit well. Uh, or maybe if you were to get another star, I would much rather try and go after the other guy in Houston if he becomes available in James Harden where you'd pro- where you'd definitely have to give up Paul George and maybe a three-team trade but I just don't like the Russell Westbrook thing with them because it's just another guy who's also underperformed in the playoffs for years now uh, and just having him and Paul George back together would be kind of weird you're giving up a lot of depth uh, you're giving up a Vika Zubak which may not seem on the surface like a big deal but with the uncertainty of uh, Montrez Harrell with his free agency, I'm pretty sure he's gone. Then you really don't have uh, any big man help, and I just don't like that uh, at all, to be honest. Uh, next, we got the Detroit Pistons, and I do think this is an interesting trade uh, that I actually saw uh, King of the Fourth Quarter throughout like a while ago just as a joke. And even though it was a joke, I did think it was a little interesting, and it's Blake Griffin for Russell Westbrook. I'm sure there could be some other things thrown around. There'd probably be uh, some picks, some like second-round picks, or maybe the Rockets get like Bruce Brown or something. I don't know. Or they get like Langston Galloway. But just the idea and the basis of Russell Westbrook for Blake Griffin, I think it's extremely interesting. The... Pistons have been a team that for years and years have really struggled to get fans in the arena uh, and have just been a team that's not exciting. Russell Westbrook would add excitement to their team. It would rejuvenate them a little bit. They could be a team that could uh, maybe compete for the playoffs, and I think that would be super interesting. Uh, And then on the Rocket side, you get Blake Griffin, who even though he dealt with injuries last year and was very bad, is coming off a season in the season before that where he was like a top 15-ish player in the entire league. Uh, 2019, Blake Griffin was absolutely incredible. He had one of his best seasons, if not his best season in his entire career. Really shot the three ball well, has always been a good playmaker. Still showed some of that athleticism. And I think Blake Griffin at a small ball five for them would be uh, almost an ideal fit. And I think if he's healthy, this would be a really nice trade for each side. And I really like the idea of this. 
Uh, and I think it makes sense for Russell Westbrook, too, because you get to be that number one guy again, uh, and you get to be that main playmaker and facilitator like you said you wanted to be. Uh, and then the Charlotte Hornets have popped up as another team that could be in on the Russell Westbrook sweet stakes. And I think there's a pretty easy trade there. Uh, they have a lot of contracts on their books. You could give a guy like Terry Rozier. Uh, they have contracts like Cody Zeller. They have just a lot of bigger contracts that could match a Russell Westbrook contract. Uh, and even though it probably wouldn't be the most value, honestly, Russell Westbrook's value around the league is pretty low. So getting a guy like Terry Rozier, who showed he could be a pretty decent player, uh, and then maybe getting one of their big men, uh, even though on paper that looks pretty bad for Russell Westbrook, uh, it may just make more sense fit-wise, especially because when a guy wants out, you have to get him out of there. It's way too awkward to try and keep someone uh, in a place they don't want to be. So I would just suggest them trying to get the best uh, offer sheet that they can for Russell Westbrook. And whenever that does come up, just take it uh, and hope that you can uh, savor having uh, James Harden there. He did say he's locked in for the season, but that's kind of the typical thing you would expect him to say uh, if he's not requesting a trade. Like, he wouldn't say, oh, I'm thinking about uh, wanting to get traded. He's either going to say he's locked in and focused on the season or he wants to get traded. So that's definitely interesting, and his future is something that's super interesting with them. A lot happened for this Houston team in that one day. We had the Russell Westbrook uh, trade request. We had P.J. Tucker, I guess, being irate that they uh, didn't offer him a contract extension or that money wasn't good in the contract extension. D Daniel House was unhappy about his role with the team. He wanted more shots. Uh, Austin Rivers wasn't happy with his role and was mad with James Harden. Eric Gordon was frustrated with his role. Uh, it came out that... Uh, Trevor Ariza like wanted a, an apology from them for something that happened a couple of years ago and like that's why they didn't get him back there was a lot of things it was a mess for the Houston Rockets that day uh, and yeah I think Russell Westbrook being traded is potentially very very interesting next I want to talk about the Boston Celtics a little bit my favorite team a lot of rumors have been surrounding them right now and it is very very interesting stuff uh, so the first rumor that popped up was that the Boston Celtics have emerged as a possible trade destination for Drew Holiday. And I think this is a very, very interesting thing that uh, could potentially happen. He's another guy who can play make, uh, which is something that the Celtics definitely do lack. Another guy who could score the ball, and he can really, really play defense. If you think of a lineup uh, where maybe you have uh, Kemba Walker off, off the bench and you have Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart in the back backcourt Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the wings and then like Daniel Tice at center that is ridiculous and that's scary for any other team to face I feel so bad for the guards who have to face would have to face uh Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart that would be ridiculous and the Celtics do have pieces that they could trade for Drew Holiday they could trade uh Gordon Hayward, they do have three picks in this draft. I think Gordon Hayward would be a really nice fit on this Pelicans team. He's a versatile guy who can really do a lot of different things, can play a lot of different roles, and has never been super uh, ball-dominant or demanding of shots. Uh, and then the Pelicans get picks that they could either flip for something else uh, or they could keep and try and draft just some nice role players to add to their team. Uh, I like that a lot. It's something that hasn't popped up, but I do think – could be an underlying thing uh, and could happen is the possibility of the Celtics trading Kemba Walker, which may sound very weird and is kind of out of left field. 
but I think this knee injury that he's dealing with could be more serious than a lot of us know, and uh, the Celtics have a history with trading guys like that who they're worried about their future uh, with injury history. Uh, They traded Isaiah Thomas. He was a guy that every Celtics fan absolutely loved. I still love him to this day, but they traded him just because they knew that injury was bad. And honestly, I could see that happening. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen by any means, but Kemba Walker is on a bigger contract. He is an older player. He's around the age of Drew Holiday. And it could make sense for them to try and move on from him now before those injuries get any worse, especially if at like the 14th pick they could get a guy like Kira Lewis who could be a point guard of the future for them. Then it really could make sense for them to uh, move on from Kevin Walker. But that's something that I just think would honestly maybe be a good idea, Uh, not something that I really expect to happen by any means, but I do uh, really like and I'm really interested in Drew Holiday being a Boston Celtic. Uh, And then we have the Celtics being in talks with trading for Miles Turner. This has been something that's been thrown around so much. I think Gordon Hayward, uh, just like I said with the Pelicans, he's a guy who can really fit anywhere. Uh, And he's kind of sounds like an Indiana guy, a guy who's just a high IQ player who can play make, who is unselfish. And I think that'd be a really seamless fit. Uh, And I think it just makes sense for both teams. You get... For the Celtics, a guy who can really shoot the ball at the center position, a guy who's a very solid defender as well, uh, would pose a lot more of a threat on the offensive side of the ball, especially than Daniel Tice does. And even though I like Daniel Tice a lot, I think he just fits a better role as a backup center. And he would be a backup center in this position. Uh, position. I think that would be really nice for him. You have two solid big men. Uh, Miles Turner definitely has a little more size, too. The thing with Daniel Tice is he's very small on the defensive side of the ball, and he does basically everything he can, but at certain points, he's just undersized, and he's just not athletic enough. So, yeah, this uh, a lot of changes could be coming for the Celtics, and I would not be surprised if this is a drastic offseason, but I also wouldn't be surprised if not much happened. Uh, the Celtics have also been in rumors for trading uh, up to try and get a guy like Onyeka Okongwu, which I think is an absolute beautiful fit i am a massive fan of onyeka okongwu he's one of my favorite prospects in the entire draft a guy who has some similarities to bam Adebayo, especially as far as build he's a guy who's around the same like six nine size that bam Adebayo is is super strong mobile uh definitely doesn't have the uh, ball handling or playmaking that bam Adebayo has uh and that but that's something we also didn't see uh Bam Adebayo have coming out of college so I think it'd be super interesting if they could trade up for a guy like Onyeka Kongwu and the Hawks have been in rumors for wanting to trade that 14th pick so if the Celtics couldn't maybe give up a guy like Gordon Hayward and then one of their picks uh, I think that'd be an excellent trade for both sides to be honest because the Hawks have said they wanted to trade for a win now wing Gordon Hayward perfectly fits that Gordon Hayward can help you win basketball games for sure and then you still get maybe like the 14th pick which is a very solid pick and could have some solid players uh, available to them so I just love that trade for both sides I love the fit of Onyeka Kongwu he could potentially be a guy who could uh, defend Bam for years to come uh, and yeah, I just think a lot of big moves are coming for my Celtics. I'm super excited. The draft is coming up so soon. There's so many rumors, uh, and the Celtics have definitely been a big, big team in rumors. 
Next, I want to quickly touch on uh, the Lakers potentially trading for DeMar DeRozan. This was something that came completely out of left field for me. This was absolutely the last report I expected, but Kevin O'Connor was just blowing up the timeline with these reports. Uh, and I do think it is something that is intriguing a little bit and could honestly work out, especially with uh, LeBron being an older player, obviously, and him coming off such a short offseason, it could make sense for them to get another guy in DeMar DeRozan who can really score the ball, who can play make as well, so LeBron could put a little less pressure on himself, especially at the beginning of the season. He can rest some more games, and he could just not go as hard uh, in the games. And the it makes a lot of sense for the Spurs to also want to get rid of DeMar DeRozan. He's an old guy. Uh, on a one-year contract now if he opts into his contract. Uh, and the fit just isn't there for them anymore. So even if you're really not getting much value, which the Lakers really couldn't give you much value, like at the most, and this is at the very most, you're getting uh, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Danny Green, and a first-round pick, or Taylor Horton Tucker. Like, obviously that doesn't sound very appealing, but maybe they think they can mold Kuzma into something, uh, and then maybe they like a prospect like Taylor Horn Tucker, or maybe they like a prospect in the back end of the first round where the Lakers have, I think, the 28th pick. Uh, and this is interesting for both sides. Like I said, uh, it gives the Lakers another guy who can really score the ball, another guy who can facilitate as well, uh, and it gives them a third star in their trio, uh, even though... I'm not very high on DeMar DeRozan. On a team like the Lakers, I do think he can be impactful, and I do think he can be useful. So I th uh, that is something very interesting that came out, and even though it was the last thing that I expected, uh, it does kind of make sense for both sides a little bit. Next, we are going to get into some scouting reports. Uh, my last scouting reports before the NBA draft. I really, really appreciate you guys' support on all the draft stuff. I've been working super hard on it. It's probably the biggest uh, project I've done for basically anything. I've spent like a hundred hours on this. It's taken me so much time, but I think it's well worth it. Monday, you are going to get an absolutely phenomenal show of my uh, draft uh, preview. I think that's going to be excellent stuff. And yeah, let's get right into it. First, starting off with Caleb Wesson. He's a 21-year-old, 6'9", 270-pound uh, center out of Ohio State. He averaged 14 points, 9.3 rebounds, and 1.9 assists on 44.4% uh, of the field, 42.5% from three, and 73.1% from the line. My strengths are that he has a really nice form on his jump shot, and he can really shoot the ball from uh, three very well, and is pretty comfortable from out there. He sets pretty good in hard screens, uh, and he has the threat of rolling to the basket, but he can also be a player that can pop out for three and can pop out for mid-range. So I always love the dual threat of being a pick-and-roll and pick-and-pop pick guy. Uh, he's a very good passing big man who has an excellent feel for the game, very high basketball IQ. He does a great job of uh, sensing double teams and then kicking it out to open shooters. He has great physicality with uh, really good size. He's super strong. Uh, and he has an excellent ability to absorb contact at the basket and to finish through guys. He's a good post player who uses that physicality, that size to his advantage. He does a great job of putting himself in post position. Uh, he's very good timing and anticipation as a shot blocker, even if he's not the biggest vertical leaper. Uh, he's a very fundamental rebounder who boxes out well, does all the little things uh, you'd want, even though he's 
maybe not the biggest player. Uh, and then overall, his just strength is really impressive, and he uses that in so many ways as a post player on offense and on defense, as a rebounder, as a finisher. Uh, that strength helps his game out a lot. My weaknesses are he needs to cut down his, uh, his turnovers as he does have the tendency to be careless as a passer and a ball handler. He averaged uh, 2.5 per game. Like I said, definitely just needs to cut down on that. His weight and conditioning is something that teams are going to need to monitor uh, and just look at at all times. As reportedly he was at some point in high school 325 pounds. Definitely did a good job of cutting down on that weight throughout his college career, but it's something that you're still going to have to worry about. Uh, and his touch can be questionable at times around the rim. That's why his efficiency for a center especially uh, wasn't that great. He can just uh, rush shots sometimes uh, and have some weird times where he just misses uh, pretty point-blank layups. And he was a below-average finisher in his most recent season. Uh, he doesn't have the ability to face up uh, really at all. It doesn't have much of a face-up game, especially in a more uh, face-up league for bigs and less of a post-up game. That is a bit concerning. He just doesn't have the burst to be, uh, beat people off the dribble, and he's really not a good ball handler. Uh, he's not very good in the pick-and-roll defense because he uh, isn't great uh, moving his feet and just isn't uh, the laterally quickest person. Uh, his lack of vertical pop will definitely limit him as a shot blocker. Even if he has good time and good anticipation, sometimes uh, that lack of athleticism w will just hurt him. Uh, definitely must cut down his fouls. That's some. Times he can be put in foul trouble way too early in game, uh, and that definitely hurts him. And then he just has limited potential due to his below average athleticism, even if he's a smart player who knows what he's doing out there. I'm as a top 55 to 65 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Knicks because they could use a shooting big man behind Mitchell Robinson. Overall, their shooting was just atrocious this year. Uh, and then I have the Nuggets because they could develop him as a shooting and passing big man. Uh, they may be losing Mason Plumlin, uh, Plumlee sooner than later, so I think he could be a bit of a project that they uh, just put in the G League, put on a two-way contract, and that uh, could develop into a player for them at some point. And I've been compared to Alex Len, another guy who can shoot the ball, uh, has a bit of uh, similar frame, even though Alex Len is definitely a little bit taller. And I do like Kayla, uh, Kayla Webson a little bit. Next, I have Tyshawn Alexander. He's a 22-year-old, 6'4", 195 95 pound guard out of Creighton he averaged 16.9 points five rebounds and 2.3 assists on 43.1 percent for the field 39.9 percent from three and 86 uh, percent for the line my strengths are that he's really nice form on his jump shot he's a great uh, three-point shooter he can shoot both off the catch and the dribble he's a great free throw shooter as well which is always a good uh, sign for a shot to transition that's something that NBA teams uh, have based shooting off of a lot for years is if you're a good free throw shooter he moves off the ball very very well uh, and does a great job of running off screens to get catch and shoot threes he's a very good perimeter defender who has really quick feet moves well on them and puts in good effort he's also a very good off-ball defender who does a great job of navigating around screens staying focused on his man and rotating to open shooters well uh, he's a very aggressive on-ball defender who's just a large pester and annoyance for the ball handlers he's someone who's willing to uh, guard pretty high up court just to annoy his guy he has ability to play both guard position especially on the defensive side of the ball uh, good versatility for him and he just fits that role of a three and d player that literally every team can use any team could use tyshawn alexander uh, my weaknesses, though, he does have a leak. Uh, he does lack an elite first step, 
uh, and that lack of first step definitely causes him to struggle to get to the basket. And at the next level, with even more athletic defenders, uh, guys who have even better length than in college, that's definitely going to hurt him. Uh, he doesn't finish at the basket very well, and he especially struggles to finish through contact. Uh, that can definitely be a, uh, because he is a smaller player who doesn't have uh, a great frame yet. He's not very strong yet. Uh, his lack of ball handling uh, limits him to be a creator at the next level, and he's going to need someone alongside him uh, who can play make uh, and can create well. As those are two parts of his game that he really just doesn't have. He's pretty average as a playmaker, uh, pretty average to even below average as his uh, shot creator for himself. He can be taken advantage of by bigger and stronger players. Like I said, needs to put on some more size, needs to put on some more weight. Uh, his defensive aggressiveness, even though it's nice, uh, and I do like it. It can cause him to be beat at time when when he is a little bit too aggressive, uh, especially on the off ball. Uh, he's an older player with an unlimited ceiling, and that limited uh, ceiling is because his athleticism and size just doesn't really stand out. It's not bad by any means. Like he's six four with a decent wingspan, uh, but it's just not great. It's decent. I'm as a top 55 to 65 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Hawks. Just fits that prototypical 3 and D wing uh, next to Trey Young. Uh, and he's a guy who uh, can catch and shoot the ball very well. Will just run off screens for Trey Young. Uh, and like I said, he's someone who's going to need a really good ball handler and playmaker next to him. So I just like that fit a lot. I've been compared to Courtney uh, Courtney Lee and Catavius Caldwell Pope, two guys who are, have just been three and D guys throughout their career, uh, and have made roles out of that. I think Tyshawn Alexander, though not being the greatest player by any means, uh, can definitely carve out a role for himself in the NBA, especially if that shot continues to be as good as uh, it was in college. What I definitely expect. My next scouting report is Marcus Howard. He's a 21-year-old, 5'11", 175-pound guard out of Marquette. He averaged 27.8 points, 3.5 rebounds, and 3.3 assists on 42.2% from the field, 41.2% from three, uh, and 84.7% uh, from the line. My strengths are that he has a very quick release, that he just gets off effortlessly. He's a truly amazing shooter who can uh, shoot in a variety of ways. He shot 10.13 pointers per game and shot over 40 percent that's really special stuff there i can move off the ball very well running off screens getting and getting catches to threes he's also an excellent shooter off the dribble who showed awesome really really tough step back and just super contested threes he has the ability to hit very deep threes as well has uh, a lot of range He's an excellent ball handler who can truly break down his defender. He's elite in the pick and roll with a really special ability to score out of there. He's great at drawing uh, fouls, very good free throw shooter. Has a quick first step that allows him to blow by defenders. Uh, mixed with his handle uh, really helps. Uh, he has a really nice touch around the basket with a great floater game, uh, which is key with him uh, having the lack of size that he does. He's an explosive scorer who can just score the ball and bunch, bunk it. Uh, bunches and he's just a natural bucket who uh, is always going to be that throughout his basketball career uh, my weaknesses are he's very undersized 5'11 always going to hurt you being that undersized no matter how good you are uh, it'll be a defensive liability due to his lack of size and strength uh, also his defensive effort and IQ can be uh, very questionable he gets lost off ball far too often uh, he has a tendency to over-dribble and be a ball stopper on offense. His over-dribbling uh, can lead to turnovers, which causes the pretty ugly assist-to-turnover issue he has. Uh, he has a tendency to take some just terrible shots, especially with uh, 
the high usage role that he was in at Marquette, he can take some very, very bad shots. And when they're going in, it's a spectacle to watch. But when they're missing, it's it's really ugly. Uh, when a shot isn't falling, he really doesn't do anything else that much. So it just causes him to be a negative on the floor. He's a pretty one-dimensional player. Uh, he must improve his playmaking and get his teammates more involved. He struggles to finish over bigger, stronger players, which will be even uh, bigger of a problem at the next level. He can be streaky as a shooter at times. It's not a massive issue. But again, like I said, he's pretty one-dimensional. So when he is streaky as a shooter, that's ugly for him. Uh and his style of high-scoring, undersized guard uh, in college is something that we've seen so many times just not work out. Uh, Carson Edwards got drafted by the Celtics. Though he is still a young player, I just don't believe in him at all. We saw it with Jimmer Fredette. There's just a lot of players that fit that mold where they're uh, college superstars, but they're undersized and they really don't have that much else to their game. And it, uh, those players just don't work out that often. Uh, and he's definitely going to have to play in a limited role due, due to his defensive issues, unless he has a great coach uh, that could put him in like the Isaiah Thomas role uh, that Brad Stevens did. He's most likely going to have to play in a very limited role. Uh, I'm as a top 60 to 70 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Knicks because they just need a big-time scorer, shot maker, uh, and they're like – like I've said multiple times, every time I talk about it, uh, the Knicks needing a prospect, their shooting was just so, so bad last season. And then the Magic, they need shooting and scoring very badly. Uh, just someone explosive that could come off their bench for them. And uh, they have very good defensive pieces. Uh, my comparison is current day Isaiah Thomas, uh, Carson Edwards, and Brandon Knight. All three undersized guards, but can shoot the ball very well. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with Carson Edwards' career. We saw Isaiah Thomas be an incredible player at one point, but I also don't think uh, Marcus Howard is ever going to have nearly the skill or honestly the athleticism that Isaiah Thomas did have. Uh, next, talking about Mamadi uh, Diike. He is a 23-year-old, 6'9", 225-pound forward out of Virginia. He averaged 13.7 points, 6.8 rebounds, and .6 assists on 47.8% of the field, 36.4% from three, and 75.4% of the line. My strengths are that he's a very solid finisher overall, has soft touch around the basket, is very good in the pick and roll, excels as a lob target, was one of the best lob targets in college basketball. Uh, he uses his body very well to finish his through contact he's a very solid post player who has some really nice footwork down there he had a lot of uh, just nice up and under things like that and he uses fakes very effectively uh, gets players to jump uh, can cause them to get in foul trouble and just get himself easy buckets uh, and he's a nice face-up game as well uh, he's solid form on his jump shot he can shoot the ball pretty decent from three especially off the catch and shoot uh, does have a uh, decent ability to score uh, the ball off the dribble uh, with his nice first step that allows him to beat slower bigs frequently. Uh, he poses a threat in both the pick and roll and the pick and pop, which is always nice. He's a really smart player on defense. He does a great job of rotating and get, getting in proper position to either contest shots, uh, help teammates, block shots, stuff like that. Uh, he's a very good rim protector. Even when he's necessarily not blocking shots, he just does a good job of contesting a lot of the time. Uh, and he does have great timing as a shot blocker. He's a good post defender who understands how to use his body well, understands how to get leverage with his guy. 
Uh, he's a good pick and roll defender who does a very good job of moving and could switch when necessary. He's an excellent uh, perimeter defender for his size with really good mobility and quick feet, and he's just a good athlete overall. My weaknesses are he could definitely uh, use putting on some more muscle, would help him, which would help him in the post, both on offense and on defense, even though he is decent uh, for both of those. It would help him maybe be uh nearly elite from there uh, he's a solid but not great shooter who needs to become more comfortable and shoot a higher volume only shot about 1.8 per game uh, and as a four-year college player this was basically his only year uh, where he shot a good amount of threes he does have the tendency to force some poor shots especially when posting up and taking shots around the basket as a whole uh, sometimes could just miss open teammates his handle isn't very great and he loses the ball uh, far too often it's more of a guy that you're just going to want dribbling straight to the basket not going to pull off some like impressive moves or anything uh, his passing is not very good as he's just a read and react passer who may get baited by smarter defenders who uh, know how to bait uh, guys like that and he can miss open teammates far too often like I said with him forcing shots around the basket he missed a lot of open teammates and that's a, a little bit questionable for his basketball IQ and he's a very old prospect of limited upside 23 that is always something you don't want to see I, I still have him as a top 55 to 65 prospect I'm fitting best with the Clippers because he can make an immediate impact late in the second round for them uh, a guy who could just come in shoot the ball play defense and I'm uh, compared to a current Clipper, who is to Michael Green. I think this comparison is very good. Two guys who have a very similar frame, could shoot the ball decent, uh, very smart defensive players. I think that comparison is a nearly one-for-one -one perfect comparison. Uh, and I like Mama D.D. Ike. Next, I have Paul Uboa. Uh, he's a 20-year-old, 6'8", 250-pound, 15-pound uh, forward out of uh, Persaro. He averaged 7.7 .7 points, 5.6 rebounds, and 0.9 assists on 45.4% from the field, 25.8% from three, and 62.5% of the line. My strengths are that he has really good physical attributes. He's 6'8", 215 pounds, 7'3", wingspan. That's really nice. Uh, he's a really impressive ass. Uh, athlete with good speed agility and leaping ability he runs the floor very very well excellent in transition uh, and beats slower big men up the court frequently he's a very good rebounder especially on the offensive end and does a great job of uh, generating extra possessions for his team his offensive rebounding ability is probably one of the most special parts of his game uh, he's a high energy and motor player very very strong guy especially for how young he is uh, does a good job of moving off the ball uh, especially as a cutter uh, just knows when to cut to the basket and is very good at timing that. He can blow by a slower big man. He's a vers very versatile defender uh, who has the ability to guard on the perimeter uh, and switch due to him having quick light feet but can also uh, guard in the interior and he uses his strength down there to stop players from getting past him uh, and his vertical pop allows him to be a very good shot blocker. He also does a good job of getting to the free throw line. My weaknesses are he's a streaky shooter with a bit of an awkward and inconsistent form uh, it just looked like there was multiple times where he's just not super sure of his shooting. Uh, and there's multiple times where his shot, even if it's just a slight tweak, you want it to be a nice, consistent jump shot. Uh, and that's something you never want to see as an inconsistent form because that leads to him being an inconsistent shooter. Uh, he needs to improve his free throw shooting with a very poor 62.5%. Uh, his finishing is average as his touch is not great, and he has the tendency to be out of control when attacking the basket at times, which can lead to turnovers, which can lead to bad shots, uh, and can lead to offensive fouls. His ball handle 
definitely could use improvement as he's not very uh, good at creating for himself. And he can lose the ball far too often while slashing, especially uh, when he's going up. Smarter defenders will frequently strip him. Uh, he's an inconsistent shooter off the dribble. He's basically a non-factor as a passer. He showed almost nothing as a playmaker. Uh, and adding an impro- improved post game would definitely help his game out a lot, just make him a more versatile offensive player. And he's just still a raw athlete whose game needs... Re- uh, refining. I have him as a top 55 to 65 prospect. I'm uh, fitting best with the Hornets because they just need a defensive uh, and rebounding presence off their bench, and he he could be a nice project for them. I also have him fitting best with the Raptors. We saw them mold someone who has a somewhat similar frame and somewhat similar play style in Pascal Siakam, not even comparing him to Pascal Siakam because that would be disrespectful to him, but maybe they could mold him. They have a very good development staff who for so many guys have uh, just made them a good player when no one expected them to. And I'm compared to Noah Vonley. I think that's a really good comparison. Two athletic guys who have very similar frames and who are raw players. Uh, neither were very good shooters. We see that Noah Vonley is almost basically out of the league now. Uh, and Paul Uboa could be out of the league in like a couple of years. He could be back overseas. Or I think he could be a nice impactful player who could be a late rotation guy maybe from the 7 to 10 range. Next, we got Yal Madar. He's a 19-year-old, 6'3", 190-pound guard uh, out of Hepol, uh, Tel Aviv. He averaged 10.1 points, 2.4 rebounds, and 3.4 assists on 44.4% from the field, 26.7% from three, and 81.2% from the line. My strengths are that he's a very good playmaker, uh, shows good craftiness and creativeness, pulled off some really, really impressive passes uh, that most simply can't. He pushes the pace very well and is a great playmaker in transition, really gets out there. Uh, he's a good ball handler who has a lot of advanced and clever moves that he can pull off. He works well in the pick and roll, especially as a passer. can throw some really nice slip passes to his big men and then kicks it out to shooters in the corner and on the wings very well. He has some very promising signs as a defender as he's just such an aggressive and relentless defender who's willing to guard players up nearly the entire court and just wears them down uh, throughout the game. Uh, he's very good hands and does a good job of picking uh, ball handlers' pockets, getting a lot of steals. Uh, he's locked in well off ball and does a great job of rotating and closing out to shooters. He's good at anticipation and does a great job of getting into passing lanes. Uh, again, racks up steals very, very well. Uh, does a good job of navigating around screens, works well in the pick and roll on defense. And he's just a high energy and motor guy, which is uh, something that teams will always want. Uh, my weaknesses are he must become a better uh and more consistent shooter. Uh, he's neither really a good shooter off the catch or the dribble, which is concerning because at least maybe if he was like a bad shooter off the dribble, but he showed good signs off the catch, then that could be something uh, that could be promising. But uh, he really just isn't uh, good at either. His scoring ability as the pick and roll uh, is severely limited, uh, and that hurts his playmaking as well because when he's really not a threat to score in the pick and roll, uh, he's not going to be much of a threat to playmake either because bigs every time are just going to keep dropping on him unless he proves he can consistently hit outside shots from there uh, and is comfortable from out there. He's a below average finisher whose touch could really use some work uh, and he struggles to finish through contact a lot. I just think that's uh, mainly due to his size, uh, him being a skinnier player. 
he could sometimes get rattled while uh, under pressure, causing him to panic and turn the ball over. Definitely needs to cut down on the turnovers, especially if he's like double teamed or trapped out of the pick and roll. You can just see him panic way too much. Uh, and he could sometimes become lost off ball and get B on defense. That's not the biggest issue, though. It's just something I noticed a couple times here and there. Uh, and he doesn't really have an ability to switch due to his lack of size. Uh, he must put on more muscle, which would definitely help him as a defender, make him even better on that side of the ball, and help his below-average finishing. And his height and athletic profile is just pretty average for a guard. It's not bad by any means, but it's not good by any means either. It's just kind of smack in the middle. I'm as a top 50 to 60 prospect. I'm fitting best with uh, the Hawks because I think they need a backup point guard of the future. Brandon Goodwin, not the answer. And he would just be a nice change of pace. Uh, from Trey Young, a more defensive guard who can also play make well, uh, but just someone who is going to be really focused on locking up his opponent out there. And I have him compared to a very good defensive guard in Javon Car- Carter, another guy uh, who's carved a role for himself in the league by just being a relentless defender, who is one of those guys who's willing to go up court to just really annoy his guy. But we've seen Javon Car- Carter come become a very good shooter, and I think that may be the make-or-break thing for Yamadar is his ability to shoot the ball from outside. Next, we got John Hall, uh, Josh Hall. He's a, a 20-year-old, 6'8", 190-pound forward. Out of uh, Moravian Prep, he uh, stayed in high school for prep season. He averaged 24 points, uh, 4.4 rebounds, and 1.1 assists in seven games. I really struggled to find statistics for him, so this was the best statistics that I could find. Uh, my strengths are that he's a really nice size and length. Uh, he is a nice and smooth shooting form. He has the ability to hit shots both off the catch and off the dribble. He's a really nice uh, and very good three-point shooter overall. Uh, he is great ball handling for his size. Really impressive job of creating his own shot uh, for him being a 6'8 wing. Uh, he's a nice first step and gets by his opponents well. He's a solid finisher who uses his length and athleticism to uh, to his advantage. He has a pretty nice floater, especially going right. Uh, he gets to the free throw line very well, and overall, he's just a versatile scorer who can score at all three levels of the game. He's very good in transition, who does a good job of pushing the pace. He's an active rebounder who's definitely willing to get up there on the boards. He can block shots very, very well for wing. Had some really nice chase downs in there, and he's a very, very good athlete. My weaknesses are he needs to cut down on his turnovers, uh, gets tunnel vision far too often. Uh, he can be reckless while attacking the basket, which leads to offensive fouls, turnovers, poor shots. Uh, his vision isn't great. Like I said, tunnel vision way, way too often misses so many open teammates, especially while attacking the basket when he's taking these reckless shots. Uh, so many times there's open shooters in the corner for him, and he needs to improve on that. His uh, shooting ability is inconsistent at times, even though it's good overall. Uh, he needs to become a better free throw shooter. His defense definitely needs to improve. He can be uh, unfocused off ball, leaving open shooters and getting beat uh, backdoor for uh, cuts. Uh, sometimes he has a lack of effort and sometimes he won't hustle back on defense and show that ability to chase down uh, and block shots. He didn't play against great competition uh, and he's going to be a player who just needs time and patience. He's a pretty raw prospect, absolutely must put on weight and being under 200 pounds at 6'8 is a little concerning. Uh, I'm as a top 55 to 65 prospect. I'm fitting best uh, with Toronto because they have a great defense. Uh, developmental staff that definitely could unlock his potential Uh, and my comparisons I don't think he's going to be 
as good as either of these players, but I think he fits the mold. My first one is Andrew Wiggins, two guys who are very good athletes, have the ability to score the ball, can handle the ball as well, but their basketball IQ can be questionable and their effort on defense can be questionable, so I like that comparison a lot. And then Marcus Morris, another guy who can score the ball well at the wing position uh, and has similar size to him. But yeah, I do like Josh Hall, especially as a guy who could be on a two-way contract, maybe as an undrafted free agent, because I definitely could see him going undrafted. Next, I got Austin Wiley. He's a 21-year-old, 6'11", 260-pound center out of Auburn. He averaged 10.6 points, 9.3 rebounds, and 0.5 assists on 57.4% from the field and 67.1% from the free throw line. My strengths are that he's a very good rebounder, especially on the offensive end. Averages a truly, truly elite 3.6 per game for there. That's just excellent stuff. Gets his team so many extra possessions. Uh, he's a fundamentally very good rebounder. Puts himself in good position and boxes out well. Uh, he's a very strong finisher around the basket. Gets to the free throw line at an excellent rate uh, with a .904 free throw rate. Truly elite stuff there. Uh, solid po- low post scorer who just overpowers his opponents frequently. Uh, he has decent mobility for his size. Very good shot blocker uh, who does a good job position- positioning himself to either contest or block a shot. Uh, he's a very good post defender who uses that size and strength to his advantage. Uh, he's a very strong player, and just overall his physical attributes are excellent. 6'11", 260 pounds, 7'5", wingspan, uh, which really helps his ability con- to contest shots and then shoot over smaller opponents. Uh, he's very good f- physicality and really nice hands. Uh, my weaknesses are he must expand his shooting range. His free throw shooting is improved as it was atrocious at the beginning of his college career, but it still could do some work. 67.1% isn't great by any means. Uh, his low post moves aren't very polished as he relies a lot more on power than skill and finesse. Uh, his playmaking skills mu- must improve as he really just doesn't sense double teams well, which can lead him to turning over the ball. His vision as a whole isn't very good. He misses uh, open players sometimes he can be too foul prone definitely can uh, struggle to guard more athletic players especially in space uh, his athleticism isn't very good and he really lacks uh, the speed to run the floor well that's something that uh, limits his game a lot is that very very frequently he's the last player to get up the core on a fast break and he played a limited game amount of games throughout his career due to many many knee injuries which for someone his size his weight is always concerning i'm as a top 60 to 70 prospect i'm fitting best with the clippers because they need a backup center of the future as mantra's hair will most likely be leaving and he will be uh, most likely be available in the late second round for them and i've been compared to bismack biombo i like this comparison a lot very similar size two good shot blockers uh two very good offensive rebounders and yeah i just think that's a really nice comparison for him Next, I got Trent Forrest. He's a 22-year-old, 6'4", 200-pound, uh, 210-pound guard out of Florida State. He averaged 11.6 points, 4.4 rebounds, and 4 assists on 45.9% of the field, 28.1% from 3, and 82.2% of the line. My strengths are that he's a very good defender. He's an excellent off-ball defender who does a phenomenal job of getting in passing lanes, shown by his 1.9 steals per game. He's a very good shot blocker uh, for a guard with some excellent and just super exciting chase downs in there. He does a great job of rotating, closing out to, sh- to shooters, and staying in. Uh, defensive stance. He's an aggressive on-ball defender who does a great job of aggravating and annoying opponents. Uh, he's willing to get involved on the boards and is a good rebounder for a guard. 
Uh, he's a very nice floater and runner, one of the best in college basketball, and is a solid finisher with some good touch. Uh, he's very good vision, and his unselfishness uh, makes him a very solid playmaker. Uh, he does a good job of getting to the free throw line as, and is an efficient shooter from there at 82.2%. Uh, he's a very good athlete who is quick and uh, is a very good vertical leaper. He's great length and good strength, which definitely helps him on the defensive end. Uh, and he has a lot of intangibles that you'd want out of a player. He's hardworking. He's a high-energy guy. He's really intelligent. Uh, he's aggressive, and he's an unselfish guy, which all teams will love. Um, Malik Tassari absolutely must become a better outside shooter. He's not very comfortable from out there uh, and is clearly reluctant to take shots, which shows that even he is aware that he needs to improve. Uh, and he just never projects to be a high-volume scorer at the, at the next level really at all. He relies on his floater and runner too much while attacking the basket. Uh, doesn't uh, really go in for layups that much just because he knows he's good at those. Uh, and he's not an advanced ball handler. It's not like he's bad by any means, but it's just that he has a pretty baseline uh, ball handling ability. He could be too uh, turnover prone. Averaging three per game in his senior season definitely needs to cut that down. Uh, he can be too passive on offense. Like I said, he never projects to be a high-level scorer, but sometimes you just want him, even if he's not necessarily scoring, if he's just getting a touch and getting involved, you want to see that. He is an older prospect, and he can occasionally ga gamble too much on defense. Uh, which can lead to him getting beat, even though that's not a big issue. Uh, I'm at the top 60 to 70 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Wizards because they need defense so badly. And a future backup PG. Uh, Ishmith is a nice backup PG for now, uh, but they, again, just don't really have one for the future. And I'm compared to DeAnthony Melton. I think that's an excellent comparison. DeAnthony Melton is a really, really good defender, someone who can play make pretty well, someone who can rebound, and they both have a similar profile as far as size, and they both struggle with shooting. And then Patrick Beverly, uh, aggressive defender. I've been compared uh, more to Patrick Beverly due to a lot of the intangibles that he brings. Next, we got uh, Treveland Quinn. Uh, Queen, he is a 23-year-old, 6'6", 190-pound guard slash forward out of Mexico State. He averaged 13.2 points, 5.2 rebounds, and 2.4 assists on 47.1% from the field, 38.7% from three, and 81.4% from the line. My strengths are that he is really nice and smooth jump shot. He is a great uh, catch-and-shoot ability and can shoot the ball pretty well from deep he moves off the ball very well and has a great understanding of how to get himself open using screens uh, he has the ability to score off the dribble very well uh, he can iso uh, very well creating his own shot from almost all spots on the court he has good first step and ball handling ability which allows him to beat uh, his defenders he finishes at the basket well with some nice touch and good craftiness around there he's a versatile scorer who can score at all three levels of the game cuts to the basket well uh just overall his off-ball ability is really impressive he's elite in transition who and he uses it his explosive leaping ability and speed to his full advantage a really nice lob target in transition. He has great uh, hands and does a good job of getting in passing lanes, racking up steals at a truly elite rate, one of the best uh, at getting steals in the draft. He's an excellent shot blocker for a wing, does a really good job of closing out to shooters, and has great athleticism and solid enough size. My weaknesses are that he can be turnover prone due to the... Uh, Lack of a tight handle and below average ball security. His vision doesn't stand out and it is apparent that his feel as a playmaker just isn't that great. 
His pick and roll ability was uh, really a non-factor, which is concerning uh, for his ability to create his own shot at the next level, as that's something that is uh, so heavily relied on in the NBA is uh, the pick and roll. He can gamble too much on defense and get beat. Uh, he can sometimes fall asleep off ball on defense. Not the biggest issue, but it's just something that happened here and there. Uh, he doesn't do a great job of navigate, navigating around screen. Definitely needs to improve on his footwork there. Uh, his foot speed on the perimeter, though not being bad, isn't great either. He's not the quickest guy and may be beat by some more athletic guys. Uh, he played against questionable competition uh, with him uh, playing at Mexico State. They really didn't play against many good teams. And he's a very old prospect with him being 23, uh, which always means yeah, he's going to be a guy with limited upside. I'm fitting best with the Hawks, the prototypical 3-and-D wing next to Trey Young. Then the Mavericks, a perfect fit next to Luka, would be a menace in transition for them. A guy who can he can throw up lobs for, and then a guy who's going to run off screens uh, and help him there. I've been compared to Gary Trent Jr. and Justin Holiday, two guys who are really good shooters. Uh, Gary Trent uh, really broke out in the bubble as uh, an excellent shooter uh, and also a decent defender. So I like the Gary Trent one a lot, and then Justin Holiday just comes from him being uh, similar size, similar profile, and then can really shoot the ball. Uh Next, we got Nathan Knight. Uh, I just clicked off of it by accident. Uh, let me get back to it. Where's Nathan Knight? Nathan Knight. Okay. Nathan Knight is a 22-year-old, 6'10", 255-pound center out of William & Mary. Uh, he averaged 20.7 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 1.8 assists on 52.4% of the field, 30.5% from three, and 77.3% of the line. My strengths are that he's a really nice jump shot for him. He showed a lot of conf- confidence in his three-point shot. He has an excellent ability to handle the ball at his size and a really nice and honestly special ability to create shots for himself, uh, especially with his size. Uh, he's a really, really nice spin move that he uses effectively and frequently. I love his spin move. Uh, he's a good scorer off the dribble as a whole. Uh, he's a good post player w- with some uh, nice footwork and power down there. He has great physicality, overpower, uh, over overpowering players frequently, and a lot of times he just looks like a man, man amongst boys out there. Uh, he finishes at the basket well with with nice touch. He has good hands, generates. Uh, free throws very well and very efficient from the line, which is always a good sh- sign for a shot. Uh, he's an unselfish passer who does a good job of hitting the open man, especially when double team. He poses a threat in both the pick and roll and the pick and pop. He's great fundamentals as a rebounder, uh, puts himself in good position, and then boxes out very well. Uh, he's a good rebounder on both the offensive and defensive glass. Uh, he's a good shot blocker who can get up and uses great size and length to swat opponent shots, and he's very, very strong. Moitis are that he's slow-footed and doesn't fit the uh, mold of mobile big men that the league is going to. He may be exposed at the next level, especially when he's forced uh, to guard space and in the pick and roll, uh, which is something that a lot of big men uh, just have to nowadays, especially with how heavily the pick and roll is ran. And then guys like Bam Adebayo and Carl Anthony Towns uh, being such special offensive talents and being able to make plays off the dribble. Uh, is Screens could fundamentally be set better, uh, and he could roll to the basket a little bit harder. Uh, he's dealt with uh, foul trouble throughout his entire career. That's something that he's just going to need to get better at. He's going to need to bite on fakes less and stuff like that. Uh, he doesn't have the elite athleticism that's really just required in the modern NBA. His shooting isn't consistent yet. Uh, percentage just isn't very good, and that's showed by the inconsistency. Uh, he played against poor competition at William & Mary, uh, and I'm just not that 
uh, sure about how his play style, where he was really the number one option, had a ton of freedom, was able to take like step back threes, was able to handle the ball a ton. I don't know how that's going to transfer, where he's going to be in a much smaller role in the NBA, and he's a very old prospect. I'm as a top 65 to 75 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Knicks because he would be a nice uh, scoring and shooting backup center as they really struggled uh, on those two aspects. Uh, and he'd just be a different and change of pace to uh, Mitchell Robinson. I'm uh, compared to Zach uh, Randolph. Never think he'll be nearly as good as Zach Randolph. Cause Zach Randolph was a really good player at one point. But he does fit the similar mold of a guy who is more of a bully player than a finesse player. And a guy who can just do a lot of different things on the offensive side of the ball. Next, we got Jalen Harris. He's a 21-year-old, 6'5", 195-pound guard out of Nevada. He averaged 21.7 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 3.9 assists on 44.6% of the field, 36.2% from three, and 82.3% of the line. Um, my strengths are that he is a very solid shooter who has the ability to score both off the catch and off the dribble. Uh, he's a very good scorer off the dribble. Uh, works well in the pick and roll and in ISO. Uh, he has some very nice handles that allow him to create shots for himself and get to the basket. He has a good burst and first step uh, off the dribble, mixed with his good handles, make him very good at beating his opponents. Uh, he has solid touch at the basket and is a good finisher. Uh, he's a very good mid-range shooter as well uh, and just can score at all three levels at the game pretty decently. Uh, he's a good free throw shooter who gets to the line uh, well, uh, generates a lot of points from there. Uh, he's a solid rebounder for his size and probably isn't going to be great uh, ever, but just showing uh, the activity on the boards and showing the willingness to be there uh, is good. Uh, he's a solid passer, especially out of the pick and roll, uh, and he's just a good overall athlete. My weaknesses are uh, he's not a very good catch and shooter, uh, as he's clearly more comfortable while creating for himself. He can take some bad shots and stall the offense at times. He doesn't have great vision uh, and can miss open teammates too often. Uh, he needs to improve his finishing ability, especially with his uh, left hand. Uh, that's something that's going to hold him back because he's a very good finisher with his right, but the left hand is just something that he hasn't developed yet. He needs to become a better perimeter defender as he doesn't do a good job of getting in defensive stance, and he always uh, he isn't always locked in and isn't always putting an effort on that side of the ball. Uh, his off-ball defense is inconsistent uh, as he can be off as he can get beat. Uh, and over-anticipate in passing lanes. His pick-and-roll defense could use work, as he doesn't do a great job of getting around screens, and his effort can be spotty at times. Uh, his, and just overall, his defensive effort needs to be better. Uh, he needs to take some more accountability for that. I'm as a top 55-65 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Magic, because they could use some scoring and shot creation off their bench. I'm compared to Malik Beasley and Alec Burks, uh, two guys who can score the ball pretty decently. I really like the Alec Burks comparison, and I just think that's... Uh, nearly one-for-one for one comparison. Next and last scouting report of the 2020 NBA draft, we got Nick Richards. He's a 22-year-old, 6'11", 250-pound center out of Kentucky. He averaged 14 uh, points, 7.8 rebounds, and .2 assists on 64.4% of the field and 75.2% of the line. Uh, my strengths are that he sets very good screens, works great in the pick-and-roll Excellent lob target, one of the best lob targets in college basketball last year. Uh, he has a good understanding of how to get easy baskets around the rim. Uh, puts himself in good position, especially when he's in the dunker spot. Uh, he's a good finisher around the basket as a whole with some really nice touch. Uh, he's a very solid rebounder who does a good job of getting extra possessions for his team. 
Uh, he's nice form on his jump shot, and he can shoot the ball pretty well from mid-range, good at getting to the free throw line, and is efficient from there, which is a good sign for his shot to continue to be good. Uh, he's an excellent... He's an excellent post defender who does a great job of taking advantage of size. Uh, he's a very good shot blocker who uses length and leaping ability to send opponent shots into the crowd. He is a really, really good shot blocker. Uh, he knows how to play his role well, and he's a good overall athlete. My weakness are he must improve his ability as a playmaker. He had just seven assists compared to 49 turnovers. That is atrocious. Uh, he doesn't have much of a face-up game. Uh, he isn't very skilled in the low post. Definitely more of uh, an athlete and a power player than a finesse and a skill player. Uh, he's a very big problem with fouling. And players like James Harden will just torture him because he bites for fakes and things like that way too often. Um, that's going to be a big issue at the next level. He doesn't have quick hands. Uh, showing in the very, very low amount of steals he racked up. Obviously, that's not essential and steals isn't a good way to show a good defender but it's uh, nice to have to your game and he just doesn't have that uh he's an older prospect never has attempted a three-pointer uh, and i'm a huge fan of shooting big men and overall his game just isn't very well-rounded he's pretty one-dimensional uh and fits more the old role of the center and doesn't fit much of the modern role of center as usually like guys who can play make who can handle the ball who can shoot uh, he just doesn't really fit that. I'm at the top 65 to 75 prospect, uh, and I'm fitting best with the Suns because they need shot blocking uh, and backup big men play for the future, and I'm compared to JaVale McGee. I think that comparison's great. Two guys who are just both good at what they do. They can rebound. They can block shots. They're really athletic, but that's kind of it. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Those are my last scouting reports for the 2020 NBA draft. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk some NFL stuff. Okay, I am back to talk some NFL. We are going to be bringing you some power rankings in this one. First, starting with number 32, we got the Jets. Uh, yeah, they've been the worst team for the entire season. So, I mean, what else do you expect? Uh, number 31, we got the Jaguars. Definitely look like they're going in a tanking direction. Uh, Gardner Minshew's injured now. We did see some nice things from uh, their quarterback who replaced him. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're just a not, not a very talented team. They have some pieces that I do like. Josh Allen is very good. They have Miles Jack, DJ Chark. But I think they need a quarterback of the future, and it looks like they're going to be uh, tanking, and it looks like they're probably going to be targeting a guy like uh, Justin Fields, who's looked excellent uh, for Ohio State this year so far. So I think it completely makes sense for them to do that. Uh, at number 30, we got the football team. Their quarterback situation right now is just atrocious. I mean, the – Alex Smith thing is obviously cool. It's exciting, but uh, he just really can't move that much. He's a 36-year-old player coming off one of the uh, just worst injuries I've ever seen. So, yeah, they're in a tough position right now. They still have some nice pieces, especially on that defensive line. That defensive line is really good. Terry McLaurin is a beast, but basically everything else is pretty ugly for them. Uh, at number 29, got the Giants. They have been a team that's been kind of scrappy and been fighting in teams uh, against some good teams but Daniel Jones is a massive issue he's just a turnover machine for them uh, and he's a big problem uh, Daniel Jones just isn't that guy for them uh, I do like some things about him he is a big guy who can run the ball well really athletic uh, but at the end of the day if his decision making it continues to be as poor as it has been then he's just not going to go anywhere as a quarterback he throws so many bad interceptions misses open people downfield 
Uh, and they're another team that could definitely be t- targeting quarterback in this draft. Uh, these bottom four teams, all I wouldn't be surprised if they targeted quarterback in the draft. The Jets, the Jaguars, and football football team, and the Giants, all wouldn't be surprised if they targeted quarterbacks. Uh, at 28, we got the Cowboys. They did end up fighting uh, pretty, pretty well in that game against the Steelers, but at the end of the day, they didn't win. Uh, their quarterback uh, position is something that, uh, does have a little bit of hope as at least their fourth string quarterback now did look pretty decent uh, and Andy Dolan should be coming back soon they have nice wide receivers but the team at the end of the day just still isn't very good uh, and I think that was more bad play from the Steelers than necessarily super good play uh, from the Cowboys at number 27 we got the biggest fall off since my last power rankings we got down 15 the 49ers and the tough thing about this 49er season is that their record actually doesn't even look that bad but this season is not their fault at all now basically every big player for them is injured George Kittle's injured Nick Bose is injured like the whole team basically is injured I saw this crazy stat where it was like it's like 81 million dollars for them were on ir that's a that's a tough situation and yeah they're just not going to be a good team for the rest of the year because they're dealing with so many injuries george kittle is such a massive piece for them on offense they already lost so many big defensive pieces early in the season they traded quan alexander to the saints like yeah it's 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 tough for the 49ers a really tough season for them at 26, we got the Bengals. Uh, they have been a team that basically in every game other than the Ravens game uh, has been fighting and uh, keeping it competitive. I love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is incredible. Uh, T. Higgins has been excellent for them as a rookie. I feel like he's gone so under the radar. He's having a really, really good rookie season. Uh, I mean, they have some nice pieces that I do like. They're trending in the right direction, but they're just not a very good team right now. The offensive line is terrible, needs improvement. The linebacking core isn't very good. Uh, and, yeah, that's why I have them as a 26 team. At 25, we got the Texans. Uh, they have looked a little bit better, but at the end of the day, they're still not a good team. The defense is atrocious. Deshaun Watson is uh, incredible. He's very, very good, but his weapons aren't great. Running game is basically... Uh, nothing super uh, unaffected, and that defense is just a mess. This team overall is a mess. Uh, at 24, we got the Chargers, though. Uh, Justin Herbert has been absolutely incredible as a rookie quarterback for them. Uh, they have a big, big issue with holding leads. That defense has been uh, especially bad when they have a lead. Uh, Anthony Lynn, uh, even though I don't think he's like the worst coach ever, he's had a lot of bad decisions that have cost them. Uh, these big leads and blown them games uh, and until they can hold on to a lead I can't just keep taking these consolation prizes of oh they were in another close game uh, until they really start actually winning games because honestly they could be like they could be like five and three right now and I wouldn't even have been surprised uh, just because of how much they've been competing but they just find a way to blow every single game somehow and they continue to do that uh, we saw that against the Broncos as well. At number 23, I do have the Broncos. We've seen some progress from Drew Locke. I really like Drew Locke. Uh, but at the end of the day, their injuries early in the season kind of crippled them. And they're probably going to be around this range for the rest of the season because they're simply not a very good team. Coming off a pretty bad loss against the Falcons. And again, Drew Locke is making progress, but he's still not great yet. Uh, number 22, we got the Lions. They're a team that is just seems like they're continually in this situation every single year where they're not awful but they're not good by any means 
Uh, that loss against the Vikings, they looked just straight up terrible. They got dominated by Dalvin Cook, uh, like he's been doing to literally everyone in the league. Uh, and they're just perpetually a below average team who uh, will fix one hole that they have and then another hole will pop up. Uh, and even though they have nice pieces, Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. TJ Hawkinson is really nice. Uh, DeAndre Swift is a pretty nice running back for them that they drafted. Uh, and then they have some talent on the defensive side of the ball as well with some nice pieces. But it just can't really come together for the uh, Lions and I just don't know where they go from here. Matt Patricia, I think, needs to be fired. I think that would be the first place they go more than anything is fire Matt Patricia. He's just not a good coach, uh, especially as a head coach. I think he would be a good coordinator somewhere, but I just don't think he's good enough to be a head coach. Uh, number 21, I got the Patriots coming off a pretty unimpressive win against the Jets, but regardless, they did win the game. They stayed in that game against the Bills. Cam Newton has looked better. Uh, they've kind of changed what they've done on offense, just a lot of runs. Uh, a lot of really short passes, just get the ball out of his hands quickly and try to limit on turnovers, and it's been working. It's been a lot more effective. Uh, the defense has looked decent. Uh, they still severely lack playmakers, but uh, if they can keep making it work, they can at least be a decent decentish team. Uh, 20, we got the Eagles. They've just kind of been around this range basically all season uh, for me. Carson Wentz has been super disappointing. Uh, Miles Sanders was out for a couple games, but he should be back soon, and uh, that'll definitely help because Miles Sanders is a really, really nice running back. Uh, and, yeah, they're just probably going to continue to be around this range for the rest of the season, but they're going to win their division because their division is terrible. Like, that, it's so embarrassing how bad that division is. Literally, I have three out of my bottom five teams just in that division alone at 28 29 and 30 we got the nfc east what a what an embarrassment that one of those teams are going to make the playoffs uh number 19 we got the panthers teddy bridgewater showed some progress they have some nice pieces on their team dj moore's been uh been good for them robbie anderson has been good christian mccaffrey did come back for a game hurt his shoulder which is definitely going to hurt them uh as he did look really really good in his comeback game uh, and it definitely is just a huge part of their offense gone uh, with losing such a versatile guy who can uh, catch the ball incredibly, catch the ball like a wide receiver, and then also run run it so well. But I think they have a really good coaching staff down there, uh, and I think they've outperformed a lot of people's expectations, definitely including mine. At 18, we got the Falcons coming off a really nice win uh, against the Broncos, and they've turned it around a little bit. They've started to look better under a new coaching staff. Uh, and starting to show that talent that they do have. Uh, but they aren't great yet. Uh, it's definitely nice to see the improvement, though, because they were looking real, real ugly for some time. Uh, now they're just looking like an all right team. Uh, at 17, we got the Vikings. They've definitely turned it around a ton. And that's all because Dalvin Cook is back, and he came back with absolute vengeance. He has been an animal ever since he's came back. He's been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they're my biggest leap. They're up 12 from where I had them previously ranked. I've had them as one of the worst teams in the NFL. And we immediately see the impact of Dalvin Cook. He's just one of the best running backs and could honestly make an argument for being the best running back in the NFL. He's completely transforming his offense and giving them a whole... Uh, different swagger and confidence that they just didn't have. He's rushing for like over 200 yards a game in these past couple games. He's just been an absolute animal. Number 16, we got the Bears. Uh, they're a team that I haven't believed in the entire year. I've been very, very critical of. I swear I have like 
four videos on the clips channel where i'm just like i i just still don't believe in the bears and they're starting to show it right now uh, they've gone on a bit of a, a losing skid this offense is just atrocious they just stall so much they uh, weren't even able to do anything against a terrible titans defense who we saw get shredded against the colts uh, and yeah they're just uh, not that good of a team i just don't believe in them that defense is really really good like do not get me wrong that defense is great but when your offense is this bad it just doesn't matter how good that defense is it doesn't matter that you have khalil mack and akeem hicks uh, and roquan smith and kyle fuller like you can have all those pieces but at the end of the day if uh, your quarterback uh, situation is as bad as it is and you really don't have a running game either then you're just not going to be that good of a team uh, and they're just kind of average number 15 i have the browns i think this bye week was good for them uh, baker mayfield did catch COVID 19 but he should be uh, back for the next game uh, and they're just a decent team they're going to continue to rely on their running game like they have all season hopefully nick chubb can be back sooner than later which i think he will be able to uh, that'll definitely help them and my fantasy team greatly uh, and it'll just give them another threat because they can have those two ridiculous uh, running back tandem uh, in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb back. That'll be really nice for them. Uh, 14, we have the Cardinals. I'm 14, we have the Rams. Uh, they're definitely down a little bit. They uh, really performed terribly against the Dolphins, uh, who have looked very good. Uh, and at the end of the day, that is a really good team. But Jared Goff had one of his worst games I've ever seen. And honestly... I think we've seen now that Brian Flores is Jared Goff's kryptonite. Uh, we saw in the Super Bowl, in that super low-scoring game, Jared Goff was able to do nothing. Guess who was the coordinator? Brian Flores. Then we see this game where he has four turnovers in the first half. Uh, guess who's the coach? Brian Flores. He is a massive problem for Jared Goff. Because Jared Goff just isn't the best QB by any means. Like He, he isn't bad, but he's just so... like slightly above average that put against a, a really good defense and a really good defensive coach who could trick him especially when he's uh, running coverages uh, that end up being uh, not what they look like that threw him off so many times when he did hit hidden coverages uh, and that's something that he's got to be better at but this team is still pretty decent uh, number 13 we got the Cardinals uh, are coming off against the a loss against the Dolphins and this defense for them is definitely an issue uh their defense just simply is not good uh and they got tore apart by Tua Tagovailoa but their offense is excellent they have so many nice pieces uh DeAndre Hopkins excellent number one receiver one of the best receivers in the NFL Christian Kirk has started to break out for them and it's been really good this season Larry Fitzgerald uh reliable veteran who's just a great presence on any team he's going to uh, beyond and then you got Andy Isabella who can also come in and play some decent football at times uh, overall their offense is just incredible especially with Kyler Murray at the helm who's having an excellent season I feel like he's not getting nearly enough love in like MVP conversations and that's probably because their record isn't great but just individually Kyler Murray has been excellent this season uh, number 12 I got one of the biggest surprises in the NFL we got the Raiders the Raiders have been really, really surprising. Derek Carr is having a much better season than I expected him to. Because there was just multiple seasons where, even though Derek Carr wasn't like the worst QB in the league by any means, and he wasn't even like that bad, he just was all right. He was just very 
slightly passable, maybe even a little below average, and that just wasn't acceptable. But he's been a lot better. He has some really nice weapons surrounding him. Uh, Darren Waller's been excellent for them. Henry Ruggs is a really nice deep threat. Nelson Aguilar has been a huge surprise. Overall, this offense is just super dynamic. They've been coached very well. The defense isn't great, but... Uh, they can make plays at times and can do just enough where this great offense uh, can keep them in games. And they've been winning games. They've had some impressive, uh, impressive wins on their schedule for sure. Number 11, I got the Colts coming off a great win against the Titans where they just tore that team apart. That defense looked very, very ugly against them. And I like this Colts team. And they're just a very, very well-rounded and solid team with an impressive defense with some excellent pieces like Darius Leonard. Uh, they're well-coached. Phillip Rivers does scare me every single time uh, because uh, I'm worried in any game that he could throw three interceptions and just uh, put them out of the game. But they have such a nice, well-rounded team around him that as long as he's making good enough decisions, uh, he's passable, and then they could be a very good team. Uh, number 10, I have the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins have been super surprising. I definitely expect them to be good because I saw so many great things from them, especially down the stretch last year. Uh, they got more talent. They picked up uh, some really nice guys in free agency like Byron Jones, Kyle Van Oy. They had a lot of nice pickups. They had a good draft. Uh, but I didn't know they'd be this good because they are a legit playoff team and one of the best teams in the NFL. I mean, I had them at 10th. I was uh, very uh, debatable putting them at 9th, uh, and they've just been excellent. They've, they're one of the best teams in the AFC. I just love this coaching staff. I love this defense. Uh, I love Tua Tagovailoa. And I just love the direction. <laughs> Bless me. And I just love the direction that this team is going in. I think they're just on the upward trend. Uh, and I think they're going to continue to play excellent football. They could be a team that could go like 11-5. and five, And that's really, really good stuff from them. Number nine, I have the Titans. Though this offense is very good. Ryan Tannehill has had a good season. Uh, Derrick Henry continues to dominate. A.J. Brown's been excellent for them. His defense is a massive, massive issue and has been exposed multiple times and could be the thing that definitely holds them back. Uh, and then when Ryan Tannehill is really forced to drop back and be a great passer, I just don't know if he's going to have the capability to do that, which I think he's going to need to in a big playoff game. He gets a really good team on these like third and long situations. He's just not very good. Uh, but when he can be conservative, uh, can rely on the run game, can rely on play play action, he's very good. But when he's really tested, I just don't know how good of a quarterback Ryan Tannehill is. Number eight, we got the Buccaneers. Atrocious loss to the Saints. I definitely think they'll play better, uh, but that was a really, really bad look for them. And they simply have to play much better. Uh, and if they don't, they'll continue to go down on these rankings. Number seven, I got the Seahawks. Uh, offense is obviously incredible. DK Metcalf's having a ridiculous season. Tyler Lockett's been great. Uh, when Chris Carson is healthy, he's a really good running back. Russell Wilson's been excellent, uh, even though he has had back-to-back -back not very good games. He was uh, amazing before that. Uh, but this defense is a massive issue and is the thing that's really going to hold them back from being a uh, top, top-tier team uh, is that defense. Because even teams whose defense is in necessarily like great like the chiefs they're they're at least passable the uh, seahawks defense on the other hand is a true problem that's very very bad uh and it's going to be the thing that uh, could hold them back and they need to get that figured out somehow 
Uh, number six, I have the Ravens. They've basically been at the spot for the entire season for me. I'm just not a big believer in this team. Lamar Jackson has been honestly a little disappointing this season. He just hasn't been that great. They really don't have uh, great weapons for him either, which has definitely been hurting them. Their defense is very good, but I still don't know if I can rely on this offense and this passing game especially in a big playoff game. Number five, I have the Bills coming off an excellent win against the Seahawks. That was the game they really proved they're legit for me. This offense is amazing. Josh Allen is having a great season. Uh, Stephon Diggs has been a huge difference maker for them, and it's uh, been one of the best receivers in the NFL this season. He's been so, so great. Uh, and even though their running game isn't even that good, their uh, passing game is just so electric that it uh, leads to them being one of the best offenses in the NFL. And though this defense has been super, super disappointing, uh, for me at least, they've still been decent. They haven't been like atrocious. They haven't been Seahawks level bad. So I put them as a top five team. Number four, we got the Packers, another team that's been around this range-ish. Uh, after that, Buccaneers lost. They've been playing some good football. Aaron Rodgers has been excellent. The run defense still worries me a lot uh, because we saw them get tore up by Dalvin Cook. Uh, and I think a lot of teams with good running backs could pose them a big problem. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're winning football games, and they're going to be a very good team. Number three, I have the Saints uh, taking up a big leap. Uh, the second we see Michael Thomas back, they look like a way better team. This defense uh, played excellent against the Buccaneers. I think it was a lot of Buccaneers uh, just being bad, but you have to give uh, credit to the team that's playing very, very good football. Uh, and that was the Saints in this one. They played excellent, uh, and I think they're con going to continue to go all up on an upward trend especially if they can continue to get healthier and healthier hopefully michael thomas could stay on the field for them because uh, that just makes that offense 10 times more dynamic having them out there number two we got the steelers kept them at the same spot was a bit of an ugly win against the cowboys but you're gonna have those here and there where you underperform against a team that's worse than you and you can be in position to lose uh, but they did end up pulling it out, which does matter. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about this offense, as the offense definitely isn't great. It just hasn't had that big moment yet where I've been really confident in them. Chase Claypool has definitely slowed down. Big Ben has just been all right this season. Uh, but the defense is so good that it can carry them to being one of the best teams in the NFL just off that. This defense is really, really special. And the fact that they were able to be so good last year with such terrible quarterback play just shows you how really, really good this defense is. Then number one, we got the Chiefs. Uh, they've been there for basically the entire season. They've just uh, continued to be excellent. Patrick Mahomes is my MVP favorite right now. He's playing ridiculous football. His offense is so dynamic. Travis Kelsey is honestly having a pretty underappreciated season as he's been ridiculous. Tyreek Hill's been good. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been good. Overall, as a team, they've just been so, so good. And yeah, that's been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Make sure to tune in on Monday We've got a phenomenal episode then. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed. It's been Michael. Peace out.